Let me share just a little snippet about the Network of International Christian Schools. We have 18 or 19 Christian schools in 15 countries around the world, and uh, we serve almost 5,000 students, K through 12, English-speaking Christian schools. Uh, every school has a, probably a minimum of 21 or 25 nations represented in the student body. So it's a very rich environment for children. Uh, my children uh, went with me to Korea, uh, to Vienna, and uh, Indonesia, so forth. So I think it was the best experience they could possibly have had. Uh, and it was rich. So anyway, that's a little bit about Nick's. Uh, Christian schools. I assume most of you have children or grandchildren in this school. That's maybe why you're here or whatever. You are so fortunate. You know, the world is going wacko. It really is. And you, you just read anything, and you know we're in trouble. So you have your children in the best place, and especially with someone like Sherry and, and Candace. Candace, thank you for that introduction. I did, did you have to tell them how many kids I have? <laughs> anyway, um, so I have a couple couple of things I want to hand out to you if you can uh, give me a few answers. <clears throat> How many people do you think pass into eternity from this earth every day? I'll take a few guesses, unless you know. Come on, I'm going to give something to the person that gets the closest. How many people? They were just saying 3,000. 3,000. Okay. A million. A million. 100,000. 3,000, we went to a million. Let me give you a clue. It's somewhere in between. 150 plus thousand. That's a, that's a dated figure. Uh, but over 150,000 every day, every day, slip into a, into eternity, most without Christ. It is such a heavy burden for me. Uh, when I think of the technology that we have today, that we can reach literally everybody, everybody, everybody in the whole world with our technology, and we're watching that many go into eternity. Okay, uh, let's see. You got your three thousand yeah. was closest. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I gave her a book on North Korea. Wait till you read it. You won't be the same. Okay, uh, six about seven billion people in the world today, right? Uh, did you know? that more than half of the people who have ever lived are alive today. Hang on to that one. That means we have the potential, ladies, of reaching more than half of the people who've ever lived with the gospel. How's, how are we going to be judged for that? And, and what, whatever we do to do, to do that task. We can reach more than half of the people who've ever lived on this earth. They're alive today. That's such an overwhelming uh, thing for me. Okay. Um, 
how many people in the 20th century, that's the century, you know, <laughs> 19 years ago now already, uh, were martyred for their faith? In other words, they died. That's what martyr means. You give your life for the Lord. <clears throat> Stephen, right, in the Bible, was the first martyr. Uh, and Paul, who became the apostle, held the coats of the people who stoned him to death. Remember, he preached while they were stoned him. And then he said, Father, forgive them. That's the centerpiece of the voice of the martyrs. Father, forgive my persecutors. I love my persecutors. And many of their persecutors, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, came to Christ and ended up in prison with the founder of Voice of the Martyrs because of the love and the prayers of those who were being beaten and tortured. And, uh, anyway, okay, how many? Want to guess? In the 20th century, how many gave their lives for Jesus in the 20th century? 75,000. 75,000, okay. Any, any other guesses? 500,000. 500,000. Uh, a little more. Mm. Wow. wow, yeah. That's, that's a lot more. In the 20th century, these are people who perished for their faith in Jesus. A million. Huh? 80,000. Way more. 800,000? More. Oh, wow. Two million. A million? More. <laughs> Folks, this is real. This is real stuff here. We in America are so sheltered. I was talking to Candace about this. We are so sheltered. I go overseas. I've been overseas. to. Ten, I've served in 10 different schools in the last 30 years, uh, off and on. Anyway, uh, when, every time I come back home, I think we Americans are so spoiled and sheltered. It's painful. 41 million. That's crazy. Perished. In the 20th century, for Jesus' sake, more than all of the previous centuries combined. And here we think things are getting better, or things aren't bad, or whatever, whatever we think. You know, if you follow the media, you're up one day and down the next. But, uh, 41 minutes. Who, who got the closest? Did, were you, did you get the closest? Did anybody go over a million? I think. That's uh, the underground in Vietnam. Yeah, you'll, you won't be the same after you see that. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm going to set the scene for you real quick here. An old carpenter in a village in Romania, which is, of course, Eastern Europe, he said his last reward on this earth would be if he could lead, lead this is so interesting to me, one Jew to Jesus. And there weren't any Jews in his village. So he didn't know how this was going to happen. But out of 12,000 villages in Romania, God led Richard Wurmbrandt, who was the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, to the village of this old gentleman. And he led Richard Wurmbrandt to Jesus. And his wife, Sabina, came to Christ shortly after that. So uh, it, was, it was an amazing story how that happened. Anyway, it had to do with his health. He went to this village for his health or whatever, and uh, this gentleman led him to Jesus. He was an uh, atheistic Jew. 
and uh, he came to Christ. You know, when the Nazis took over uh, Romania there before World War II, there was a lot of persecution, uh, including physical beatings of various kinds. But then near the end of the war, the Russians came and set up a communist country in Romania, as we all know. And pastors were forced, in fact, they gathered all the pastors in the country together. And they were told, either you serve the Communist Party or you'll see what happens. They all vowed to serve the Communist Party except one man, Richard Murbrand. And uh, he was sitting by Sabina in that. I have, I have a video of it. And uh, he was sitting by Sabina and, and uh, he said, he didn't know what he should do, or he was thinking about it, I guess. And uh, she said, Richard, aren't you going up? Aren't you going to stand? And he said, well, you won't, you won't have a husband. She said, I'd rather have a husband that stands for Jesus. And he stood up. And he led a, uh, other pastors in Romania to serve the Lord uh, as well. On a beautiful Sunday morning, he became, by the way, he became a Lutheran pastor. And uh, he had a church in uh, Bucharest. And on the way to church one beautiful Sunday morning, uh, Sabina and their son stayed home and were going to come up later. But he was kidnapped off the street in, in uh, Bucharest and kept secretly for eight and a half years in an underground prison, 30 feet under the ground uh, in uh, Romania. They actually sent people to Sabina and told her they had witnessed his uh, death and burial. That's how sadistic they were. In other words, you, your husband's gone, uh, whereas he was in prison. Uh, I'm going to read something, and I hope you're okay. Uh, it's, my wife says, honey, can't you say something positive? It's really, it's really hard. Uh, I'll do my best. But anyway, uh, a pastor by the name of Florescu was tortured with red-hot iron pokers and knives. He was beaten very badly. Then starving rats were driven into his cell through a large pipe. He could not sleep because he had to defend himself all the time. If he tested, if, I'm sorry, if he rested a moment, that rats would attack him. He was forced to stand for two weeks, day and night. The communists wished to compel him to betray his brethren. That was their goal. But he resisted steadfastly. Eventually, they brought his 14-year-old son to the prison and began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying they would continue to beat him until the pastor said what they wished him to say. The poor man was half mad. He bore it as long as he could. Then he cried to his son, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can't bear your beating anymore. The son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a father, a traitor as a parent. Withstand. If they kill me, I will die with the words, Jesus and my fatherland. The communists in rage fell upon the child and beat him to death with blood all over the walls and spattered all over the walls. He died praising God. Our dear brother Floresco was never the same after seeing this. Uh, read the book. Get the book. 
Tortured for Christ. That's the first book that Richard wrote. And by the way, there are handouts at each door, so if you haven't already gotten one, take it with you. I would love to come to your church or your Bible study or your Sunday school, whatever, or your other Christian schools and share about Tortured for or about uh, Voice of the Martyrs. I should stop and I'm, I know I'm going to forget this if I don't do it now. Uh, these, I have uh, stacks of these on that table back there. So please take each of you, take one of each of these. Um, there is a International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church on Sunday, November the 3rd. So please share that with your pastors and, uh, and your relatives and so forth. Sunday, November 3rd. In fact, when you get a hold of, uh, when you go to that website, you'll probably be able to get a free um, handout for International Day of Prayer when you go to that website. Okay? I knew I would forget this if I didn't do it now. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. By the way, I have one more prize. <laughs> you have to guess my age. I thought I had fun with you. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for this interlude. Okay? Who's, who's guessing? <laughs> I, I give her two prizes. Okay, here's a clue. My son will be 62 tomorrow. What? Oh my gosh. I know you think I've got married at four. <laughs> I have one more DVD. 81. Who said 84. that? 81. Next month. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I almost forgot that. <laughs> anyway, uh, be sure to share that about the International Day of Prayer. And let's see, any other housekeeping things here? Sorry. Okay. I understand from Sherry that you're into, uh, what's the verse for today, somebody? She said you're talking about this verse today. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What Galatians? <laughs> We've been in Galatians. Galatians something? Yeah, we yeah. have been in Galatians. <laughs> I'm out of prizes. <laughs> yeah, she, every, she, every she time it's different. Oh, no, I have one more prize. She said Galatians something. <laughs> Anybody? 220. If you, if you have your Bible, 220. Galatians 220. This is such an excellent verse. I wrote to her. She, I, I sent her an email yesterday. She said she was at the airport. And uh, I said, I found the perfect segue from the verse that you said you're looking at today. And you wanted me to somehow uh, include it. So I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to read from the Amplified. I don't know if any of you have that. Uh, I encourage you to get a copy for your home. The Amplified, is every verse is about four times as long as it, as it normally is because in parentheses or brackets, it gives you the meaning of the words every time. If you talk about being born again, there's a, a breakdown of that every time, every time in the scripture. I love the Amplified because it reminds me over and over and over again uh, what these things mean. So I'm going to read from the Amplified. I have been crucified with Christ. In him, 
I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That would easily be a life verse for Richard Wormbrandt because he lived his life. He lived Christ's life through him in every sense of the word. When he got saved, when he got converted, he would be in literal pain walking down the street, weeping because of the people he met that he figured may not know Jesus. That's how, that's how uh, committed he was. And, and this verse certainly uh, speaks of that. So, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> the, uh, <clears throat> they would preach to the other prisoners. And for that, they would be beaten every time. If they were caught preaching the gospel or preaching the Bible or whatever, uh, Richard uh, being a pastor, and there were other pastors in, in the prison, uh, when they, if they were caught preaching, they would be taken down to the, what they called the beating room. You'd hear these awful sounds. Anyway, uh, this one pastor, they caught him beating, uh, or caught him preaching, and they took him down to the beating room. And when he came back, they threw him on the floor. He was all bloody. And he could hardly get up. But when he got up, he kind of straightened his clothes. And he said, now where was I? <laughs> and he continued to preach. That's how committed these people were to the Lord Jesus. And I want that for me, honestly. I don't know what we face. You know, I, uh, Candace mentioned my children. I weep for my children. I know God gave them to me, uh, to us. And uh, uh, I can't imagine the world my 31 grandchildren are going to face, literally. And so we need to be praying, need to be praying for sure. They loved their persecutors, which and many, I think I mentioned this already, were led to Christ and ended up in prison uh, with the ones they had been persecuting. Uh, sentenced to death, one pastor was given a few last words with his wife. That was rare. That was very rare. He said, he said to her, he said, you must know that I die loving those who kill me. They don't know what they do. Sounds familiar from mm -hmm. the cross? Mm -hmm. And my last request of you is to love them too. Don't have bitterness in your heart because they killed your loved one. We will meet in heaven. Oh my goodness. A secret police officer shared this with Richard after being sent to prison for becoming a Christian. Fifty pounds of chains on their feet, tortured with red-hot iron pokers. They would put spoonsful of salt in their throats, down their throats, and then deny them water. Starving, whipped, suffering from cold, and it's cold in Romania. And praying with, here it is, praying with fervor for the communists. Mm -hmm. 
humanly inexplicable. Humanly inexplicable. It is the love of Christ which was poured out in our hearts. And again, later, the tortures often ended up in prison for becoming Christians. This is what Richard said when he came, finally came to America. I'm jumping around a little bit here because time is going to go away from me soon. Uh, he said, the West is asleep. We're asleep. He visited many seminaries in the West. Lectures about history of bells. Did you get that? History of church songs. Canon law long since ignored, or church discipline, which no longer exists. Students of theology learned that the biblical story, this is in America, of creation is not true. Nor Adam, nor the flood, or the miracles of Moses. That the virgin birth is a myth, also the resurrection of Jesus. This is happening in America. His bones are remaining somewhere in a grave, Jesus' bones. That the epistles, the letters of Paul and others, aren't genuine. And that revelation was written by a madman. This happens in seminaries in America. That influence is growing. It's not getting less, folks. I mean, Bible colleges, Christian colleges, pray for them. Pray that they'll stand strong in in this day for the sake of the next generation. Little wonder that many Christians look strangely at the underground church. How could anyone believe like that? How could they choose persecution, torture, and even death for their faith in Christ? Persecution is growing. I have a few statistics here for you. Christians in some of the former Soviet republics. Remember, the wall came down. Where were you when the wall came down? No, that was such a day. I tell you. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday, because I thought that would never happen in my lifetime. I was afraid it, it would never happen in my lifetime. And when it came down, it was wonderful. Persecution of the underground church grows. Christians in some of the former Soviet republics are still persecuted today. In restricted nations worldwide, and I have, these are, uh, the restricted nations are the, uh, are the the bad ones, the the bad guys. Uh, That would be China, you know, uh, North Korea, so forth. Then there's hostile nations, and then there's monitored nations. Speaking of monitored, the Chinese now have 270 million cameras watching your every move. And they're going to add more such that the people who now slip away from their house to go to a secret underground church will be monitored when they leave their door. Hmm. It's going to impact the Christians in China so terribly. 270 million cameras and growing. Anyway, those are the monitored uh, nations. The Christians of the underground church are suffering today more than ever before. It is estimated, this is uh, 22 years ago, it is estimated that approximately 160,000 Christians were martyred 
1997 alone. 160,000. For Christians, it is heartbreaking to know that the oppression of Jews in communist countries, and that's happening more and more also, but the principal target of persecution is the underground church. Years ago, the Soviet press recorded a wave of mass arrests and trials. In one place, 82 Christians were placed in an asylum for madmen. That, by that, that's a favorite of theirs. They put you in a, an insane asylum uh, as part of your imprisonment. Since, uh, anyway, uh, questions. Do you have any questions? Yes. Why are they martyred? What? Why are they feared so much? Ah, good question. That's an excellent question. Anything that is in, in competition, if you will, with the Communist Party, such as in China, where I was a couple, just a year and a half ago, anything that's in competition with a government, with a totalitarian, totalitarian government, that's why the Nazis even were persecutors, but nothing like the Communists. Anyway, uh, that's the secret, is that if you if you have set up another god, then you're in competition with totalitarianism. Uh, that's the short answer. But uh, they, they, cannot, they cannot buy that. Uh, Xi Jinping, the head of China now, he, there it's, the word is out, in Christian circles at least, that he's going to be worse than Mao Zedong was. Hmm. And Mao... I don't know if you uh, remember, he, he, 60 million were died under Mao. Not just Christians, but 60 million who were, shall we say, a threat to his government. 40 million under and, and communist Russia. These are their own citizens, right? And 20 million in in Korea. Anyway, North Korea is the worst of the worst. They take, they take little children at school and they trick them into revealing whether there's a Bible in the house. Mm. They have a whole bunch of ways to do that. And the little child doesn't know any better and mm. so they have ways to trick them. Then they go and they arrest not the father, not the mother, the whole family. The whole family gets sent to prison to labor camps and so forth, and they they work till they die, basically. It's a one-way trip in Korea. Yes? So Richard got out after eight years? No. Uh, good question. I appreciate the question. I have one more, too. Yeah, sure. That's all right. Yes, I want to know, after, because his son was murdered, then did the wife realize that he was alive? Oh, la later on. She actually ended up in a labor camp on the, on the uh, Danube River, uh, Sabina did. They didn't even know. He didn't know where she was, and she thought he was oh, dead. Oh, she didn't know where the son no. was when he was no. And uh, But he got out for a period of time after eight and a half years. Then they, uh, of course, he went right back to what he was doing. Uh, he was leading Russian soldiers to Christ like crazy. I mean, he just, <laughs> you couldn't stop this man. And so, anyway, back to prison he went, and they sent him to, uh, sorry. Solitary confinement this time. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, like I said, in a cell underneath, 30 feet underneath the ground. And uh, the guards would even wear slippers 
so that he never heard the sound of another human being for four years. And the mind just, I mean, there's nothing in there. You know, there's, there's not a bed or anything. It's just a concrete whatever. Anyway, so uh, here's what he did. He memorized sermons. And when he got out, he wrote them down. That shows what a gift this thing is from mm-hmm. God. That we could, here he was, nothing to write, nothing to write with. And he wrote sermons, and he wrote poems, too. And he wrote those down and when he got out. But he was in there for four years, and a total of 20, or, oh no, a total of 14 years in prison. And then later on, 1965, some uh, Lutheran pastors in Norway rescued him, or ransomed him out for $10,000 mm-hmm. in 65. The communists... And they warned him. The communists warned him. They said, don't you dare tell anyone what's happened to you in prison. Because we have people everywhere. We'll get you. you know. And, and, and they do. They did. And they still do. Anyway, so here is, here is, uh, I'll just show you real quick. Here is Richard when he was released on the left. Aww. On the left. When he got out. And, and that's Richard and Sabina on the right. And they came, ended up coming to America. And Richard not only didn't listen to his persecutors, he said, uh, he went before, are you ready? He went before the U.S. Congress and showed them the poker, the holes in his body. He showed them the holes in his body from the red-hot pokers that they shoved. See, I am 80. Uh, So he not only wasn't quiet, he went before our U.S. Congress Mm -hmm. and showed them what the communists do to you in prison. Anyway, go ahead. Yes? Uh, mm -hmm. Um, Was it his son that was beaten in front of him? No, no, that was another pest. Florescu. No, Florescu. Sorry. I, I, I probably, I know I said the name, but it probably slipped right by you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was Florescu. It was a fellow prisoner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love these questions, by the way. So 160,000 in one year in 1997. And that was kind of typical. In fact, what does it say here? Well, anyway, uh, as I mentioned, Christians are suffering more than ever in the underground church. Um, oppression of the Jews is on the rise. We talked about that. It's estimated that 200 million Christians are persecuted for their faith in some way today. Or actually, this was 2002. So it's worse. It's worse today. For instance, let me give you an example here with Mexico. Uh, Mexico, I had a school in Mexico, and uh, here it is up here. The uh, persecution was going on in the southernmost state of Mexico, down near Central America here, called Chiapas. And uh, now, three more states have been added to the list. So it's getting worse, right? in the next country below us here. 
when I shared that with some people in Mexico, they could not believe it. Right in their own country, mm -hmm. Christians' houses and businesses were being burned down and they were sent away. You can't return to your town or your village. And things like that were happening. So uh, so it's it's getting worse. And in Africa, I had a school in, uh, in Kenya. Uh, in Africa, the radical Muslim persecution is, go, is sweeping south. It's getting worse. Well, you heard about, remember the terrible thing in a big shopping mall in, uh, in Kenya, Nairobi? Mm -hmm. And they killed so many people and went on for hours and hours and hours. Anyway, uh, so the radical Muslims are really taking over Africa. And it's, heading, it's more heading south. So, Thanks for the questions. <coughs> I knew this would be a good group. <laughs> so here's the deal. The underground church is crying out to us. Don't abandon us. Don't forget us. Don't write us off. And here's what I love. Give us the tools we need. We will pay the price for using them. I'm going to read an account here. Two dirty, two very dirty villagers came to my home one day, this is Richard, to buy a Bible. They had come from their village to take the job of shoveling frozen earth all winter long to earn money in the slight hope that they might be able to buy an old, tattered Bible and take it back to their village. I was able to hand them a... Oh, because I had received Bibles from America, I was able to hand them a new Bible, not an old tattered one. They could not believe their eyes. They tried to pay me with the money they had earned. I, re I refused their money. They rushed back to their village, I love this, with the Bible. A few days later, I received a letter of unrestrained, ecstatic joy thanking me for the scriptures. It was signed by 30 villagers. They had carefully cut the Bible into 30 parts and exchanged the parts with one another. I was part of a group of teenagers. I wasn't the teenager, I was the leader uh, called People to People way back in the 70s when communist Russia was still growing strong. And uh, we got in trouble with the police and so forth in Czechoslovakia. And then uh, we went to Vienna, which was like going to heaven. Uh, and then we were going to go to Moscow for three days. And my students, we had 32 students from uh, Washington State area. Uh, they said, Mr. Corbett, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go. They were tired of communism in three days in Czechoslovakia. They were getting physically sick, even though we were being treated as, as well as we could be in a communist country. Anyway, so off we go. Uh, we're in Vienna and we're walking around, I, and I. I had two very committed Christian young people in my group, and John and, uh, anyway, John and, uh, I'm 80. Anyway, so, uh, <clears throat> what's her name? The girl <laughs> said, Mr. Corbett, I have something to tell you. I said, what's that? She says, uh, I have a Bible. Uh, it's a Russian Bible, and God has told me to take it to Russia. 
I, I mean, as the leader of the group, I was responsible if something happened to us. Uh, and so uh, I said, well, we need to pray. So I remember John and the girl, and I prayed. <laughs> it's going to come. I uh, prayed. Uh, I, we prayed. Oh, did we pray in that part? And I said, well, the Lord doesn't seem to be telling us no. So she took it with, with us, and we flew to Moscow on Aeroflot, which is an airline that gives you great confidence in flying. Just the name, Aeroflot. Anyway, so we get there, and, and uh, you don't, in a communist country, you don't look like you're, I mean, you just, and, and the people are like that. In Czechoslovakia, people didn't look at us. Here we are, this group of 32 American teenagers dressed to the nines, or whatever, <laughs> And, and they, 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 they don't, it's like they don't dare, that's all right, I'm falling apart over there. Uh, the, and so uh, they were checking our luggage, uh, but they saw us as a group, and they knew, they knew who we were and so forth, so they weren't uh, looking through our bags. So uh, John, uh, just ahead of me, for whatever reason, thank you, just lay it down, it's, it's good. Uh, well, ahead of me, for whatever reason, they looked through his luggage and they found a stack of four spiritual laws. Maybe you know about those that Campus Crusade used to use. Uh, they were like uh, like uh, track, not tracks, but you know what I mean. Anyway, four spiritual laws in German, and uh, and German is a very common language in Russia. Uh, anyway, uh, as well as Russian, of course. Anyway, uh, so the guard looked at the seeds. They were obviously spiritual, or you know, looked spiritual to him. And he said, "Are these for your personal use, or well, there's a stack of them?" And John goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Later, I said, I said, John, you said yes." He said, well, Mr. Corver, I was personally going to hand them out. <laughs> and anyway, so I knew the girl was back the line. And you don't stand around or look like you're looking for anybody. You just, you just stay in line. So I stayed in line, went out to the bus. and uh, She comes out. I, boy, did I pray in the bus. She, I knew she was back there, and they were starting to open because they were starting to wonder about this group. And they didn't open mine, uh, but I think they did the person behind me, and it, whatever. They opened the girl. <laughs> they opened the one ahead of her and the one behind her. And we went in with this Russian bar, which was red to, to add to the Red Russian Bible. Anyway, so we, long story short, we snuck away from our group and visited the Baptist Church in Moscow, city of seven million at that time. Only church in Moscow in a city of seven million, Baptist Church. I had seen pictures of it, and it's the only church they show pictures because it's the only one there is. Anyway, to show that they have freedom of religion, right? Anyway, so we were up in the balcony. I, I go on about how we got away from our group, but anyway. Uh, and uh, I just sensed that this was the time. I didn't know. 
I, the Lord gave me that sense. And so we hung around, hung around. And everybody was gone except the pastor. And we had heard there were three pastors, two spies, two were agents of the state, and one was for real. Well, I asked about the for real one because I heard his name. And he was in Sweden at a conference, so I knew the guy we were talking to wasn't, one of, wasn't the good guy, right? And so I, uh, I said, uh, I, I just asked lots of questions. And he was starting to get curious about why we were sticking around. And he was very gracious, so he didn't know what to say except answer our questions. And so I finally said, do you have any, uh, anybody who works with young people? He said, yes, and he, he sent for the young man. The young man came, and I said, uh, do you, uh, I asked him a few questions. Then I said, do you know of anybody that needs a Bible? And he nodded. Did he nod? He nodded. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, Colleen. That's her name. <laughs> I said, Colleen, I think it's time. She opened her purse, got out this little red Russian Bible, and handed it to the young man. And I wish you could have seen his face. And he held that Bible. He held that Bible. And he wept. Here's this pastor standing there. He realizes he's been part of this exchange. And he didn't know what to do. And the young man went off with the Bible. And I'll never forget what the pastor said. He whispered in my ear. He said, don't tell anybody. I said, don't worry. <laughs> anyway, folks... Uh, oh, I was reading that story. A few days later, I received a... Uh, uh, sorry. It was signed by the 30 villages. They cut the Bible up in six parts. It was pathetic to hear a Russian begging, this is the next paragraph, for one page of the Bible to feed his soul. They were happy to exchange a cow or a goat for a Bible. One man traded his wedding ring for a battered New Testament. Many children have never seen a Christmas card. If they had one, all the children of the village would gather around and some old man might explain to them about the baby Jesus, his virgin birth, and the story of Christ and salvation. All this from one Christmas card. We send Bibles, Gospels, folks, Open up the door to Voice of the Martyrs. They do everything. They take care of families whose uh, uh, family members have been martyred. Because it's against the law under communism to help the family. It was against the law when Sabina and Richard were in prison to help their son, who was just a boy at the time. But one lady took her life in her hands, because she would have been sent to jail for helping him, she gave him potatoes, some potatoes, and I don't know how he survived. Michael was his name, I believe. Anyway, so more questions. I'm going to end it, end it here pretty quick. I want time to be close. 10, 10, 15. 10, 10. Okay, I'll hurry. Uh, there's so much more.
But anyway, folks, here's uh, what I want to share. May, may I have five? I hope to get through this. When you get in touch with Voice of the Martyrs, there's all sorts of, of uh, materials you can get. Some you pay, pay some for, but it all goes to an awesome cause. Anyway, this is called Extreme Devotion. My wife and I read one of these every, every evening with our scripture. <clears throat> this is called um, Pakistan, and the girl's name is Tara. Tara was a seventh grader in Pakistan when she secretly enrolled in a Bible correspondence course to learn more about God. Her strict Muslim family would never answer her questions about Jesus, and she was determined to find out the truth on her own. But when her parents found her in her room reading Christian books, they became enraged. In November of 1992, they beat her so severely she lay unconscious in her in a room for almost a week. She relieves an angel finally woke her and helped her get to a hospital. Tara continued to grow in faith and in 1995 was secretly baptized. Then her parents arranged for her to be married to a Muslim man. When Tara refused to comply, she was again beaten. She was also made to stand for several days without sleep. During this time, that's family, folks, Tara had three visions in which she heard a voice telling her, I am with you. I am your father. After more beating, she fell into a coma. She awoke after three days and found herself in a pool of blood. She again heard the same encouraging voice saying, I am your father. I will protect you. Tara was able to escape and today lives in a safe house in another country where she serves the Lord full-time with the promise of God's protection. <coughs> That's just, there's 365 of those accounts. So, extreme devotion. Anyway, I'm not here to sell books. Okay? Uh, questions? Would you, would you close us in prayer? Father, I just I just come before you now just in a solemn state, just um, this heavy information, Lord, but we know that we have you, Lord. We know that you are the, our deliverer, that you um, overcome all these things and you stand beside these people who are being persecuted, Lord. I pray that um, each one of us would not... Um, be blind or walk away and forget these facts, Lord, but that they would sink in and that you would show us ways that we could come alongside, support, encourage, pray for, Lord, whatever you um, you need, this uh, persecuted church, that we would do our part, Lord, mm-hmm. that we wouldn't sit here and sleep in our comfy beds and live in our mm-hmm. free country, Lord, and forget about what's happening around the world, Lord, but that you would just impress it upon our hearts, Lord, and that we would just make make changes, Lord, and, and raise awareness even in our own communities. I just thank you for bringing, bringing Mr. Crover to share with us today, for speaking through him, for speaking to our hearts, and just pray as we go out that we would just keep this on our hearts throughout the day. In the name. Amen. 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 Amen.